Hey everybody, this is Pyramids and Trees, the audio version. You can find the illustrated book at pyramidsandtrees.com. Today we are at chapter 11, The Food Chain. So our appetite for power did not slow down with just our need to survive one more day. The evolutionary rule was, apparently, amass as much as you can. Evolution had given us a throttle to accumulate more, but no shutoff switch. So if the first two rules of evolution were get your house in order and clean your own room and then go conquer the world, the third one was don't stop conquering the world. This ordering had become a runaway uphill snowball of complexity and power. Quarks rolled into atoms, into molecules, into organelles, into cells, into organs and systems, and so on. And innate within every living system was this evolutionary gas pedal, but no power brakes. So to feed the engine, we giants came to rely on food, the sacrifice of less powerful things below. Let's take a look at the simple food chain that keeps you and I just breathing at a baseline of alive. Plants start us off, those heroes. They freakishly convert about 3 to 6% of sunlight into biomass, which should blow your mind. If you thought this was getting weird before, just realize that plants figure out how to store power from photons. Um, remember, this plant itself is like you, though. It's a fantastically complex ordered system of systems of scaled up evolutionary gambling winnings. So this guy physically is another bank account of stored order minus chaos, stored power, and you need him. Yes, you need his fantastic molecules of leafy green B12 and fiber and selenium and complex carbs, don't you? That's why you're eyeballing him. I see you. And he is a mountain in and of himself. Now, what ensues when you take a bite into that leafy green is not a simple lunch. It is a hostile takeover. It's a coup of unfathomable power exchange between two giants, two governments, two corporations going head to head, and you're the winner every time you eat lunch. The plant has already done all the hard work of assembling sunlight and earth into molecules and you, the dude, you just roll into town and swipe it. Next time you eat a leafy green, you better be thankful. When you eat, your body goes through this enormously complex task of merging the newly acquired order called spinach into your body and assimilating the useful parts to become a part of you, which is far more intricate than any business merger you may be complaining about at work. Stored power is the foundation of our life, and our survival depends on us locating and extracting stored power from wherever we can find it. If we don't, we die. Because here we stand at the top of the food chain, committing hostile takeovers of fried chicken sandwiches and funneling our 95 watts of energy every day from Mama Earth. But since each organism consumes its own energy and digestion isn't perfect, it actually takes Mama Earth a lot more than 2,000 calories to feed us. So to keep it simple, we use the 10% rule in biology. 
So after the first level of the energy pyramid, 10% of the energy from each level in the pyramid makes it to the next. So you've all seen the food chain. The energy pyramid is very similar. You have the sun on the bottom. Say the sun puts out 1 million watts in a certain area of energy. Now the producers, they can only capture 1% of that, and then 10% of every level above that gets captured by the next thing that eats the next thing. So a million watts by the sun means that a plant can get 10,000 watts of energy stored up and ready for the next thing to eat it. The herbivore that eats the plant is going to get about a thousand watts of energy stored up in its body from the plant to pass along to the carnivore. And so you have another carnivore on top of that. They get a hundred watts and then the top level carnivore is only going to get about 10 watts of energy for every million watts of sunlight. So you have a four-member food chain. You just remember that the sun's got to produce a million watts just to get 10 watts to you. Countless photons gave energy to trillions upon trillions of living cells, all of which sacrificed themselves just so one fox could eat one chicken. Millions of years of biological engineering through death and life, all for a meal. That fox had better be damn thankful for that chicken. Now also, as you might imagine, a single fox would have to cover a lot of territory in order to get its million watts. Mother Earth gives the fox a lot of space. Looking down on a flat map, it, it may look like this. You have chickens that have their own little territory and in each chicken's territory there's ladybugs and they have their own little territory of grass and each piece of grass has its territory but all of this giant territory is covered by a fox but think about how much more territory a human might need a carnivore like a gray wolf may require a territory as big as 2,000 square kilometers but we oh no way more now, suffice it to say, it can take a ton of earth to keep one of us alive. It's why we plead with people to be a vegetarian, for one. The suck that one of us puts on the earth is enormous. Now, it would really be great to think that since we're just a little bit bigger than a fox or a wolf, it would kind of look like this. A fox takes about a 700 calories per day, and we are a little bigger, so we need about 2,000 calories per day, right? Wrong. That would assume that all we did was eat. Chapter 12, Leverage. Our real consumption story goes a little bit like this. While a ladybug might eat five hundredths of a calorie per day, a chicken eats about 200 calories per day, and a fox would eat about 700 calories per day, we humans consume about 227,000 calories per human per day. Now, it would be pretty hard to eat 227,000 calories in a day, although I might be willing to try, but you're probably driving down the road burning gas while your refrigerator and all your appliances are on at your house. It's hard to fathom that the products that we have and their energy came from living things, but they did. We couldn't eat more, but the uphill snowball of power didn't seem to have preference to just eating. 
It had no breaks. Why should it stop at the level of organism, and why should it stop at only consuming food? It had no reason to. Power was evolution's driver. Every system on the pyramid had always found ways to become more and more powerful by owning and merging with more territory. So the most powerful of the evolutionary organisms began merging with other objects besides just the food that we took into our bodies. It was like a hack. Now, one Sunday morning a few hundred million years ago, a Triassic oak tree made some Triassic acorns and some Triassic squirrels buried them. They figured out that some energy sources, like nuts, did not decay as quickly as others. Is an acorn a nut? I don't even know. The brightest, most powerful squirrels, and later, humans, stored food power for ourselves for later. Because our bodies can only eat a limited number of calories now, but that doesn't mean that power acquisition had to stop. This was the first recognition of time when we stored food. That there would be a future me that might be hungry again, and I can go ahead and feed the future me now. I can amass food for not just present me, but also future me. Security. Really, it just means we have power for tomorrow today. So once you have the acorns, they become a part of our empire. So I become a bigger entity than just naked old me living in the present. We move from burying nuts or acorns to hiding frozen food in caves, and the snowball uphill of power continued to grow as our growing brains began to think more about the future. Now, on top of the quarks and the atoms and the cells and the systems that make up this organism that you and I are, we also began attaching ourselves to the things around us to create our little empire. Storing food, though, is pretty lame and has its limits. It takes maintenance and guarding the food from other competitors. Food rots, and our highly evolved body, it reached this max food calorie intake of about 2,000 calories per day, and we could way outstore that in some places of the world. So one Tuesday, about 2.6 million years ago, something like that, our great-grandparents came up with another power storage hack. Tools. You could store power into tools. We realized that we could sacrifice our power and attention now in order to build or order together a club or an arrowhead, and it would save us even more energy later by its efficiency. We would be able to garner more for our empire. Stored order to leverage more order. Genius. I can imagine the first guy talking to his wife about, hey baby, I know we just had a baby and all, but Jim swears that if I put down five hours up front, this spear is just going to have this crazy ROI, right? So just like we had consumed food, we began to consume tools to leverage even more food for less energy 
And it didn't stop with tools. The tools became a part of us, like our stored food. We carried them around everywhere we went. This was the original empire. We were cute little cyborgs, and our tools attached to our hip went with us everywhere. Tools are leverage, so if our bodies were stocks, tools were like options, just drastically expanding our own capabilities by leveraging a small bit up front to make the future so much more efficient. Hammering coconuts? Efficient is a hammer. Your fist? Not efficient. Worth it for the time. Worth what? Our present attention, which is a product of all the evolved power stored up in the bodies that we have for a time. It's a sacrifice of now for an imagined future. All investing in the glorious day when we could kick it back, relax, and hammer the dog out of some coconuts like a boss. No one was there to photograph it, but I know that they had to have giant coconut parties when they invented hammers. More energy helps us amass more energy. The evolutionary survivors are generally those who thought longer term and stored it up. Which brings us to buildings. Now, one year, Coconut Bob's great-grandkids began to think even longer term than tools, and they began to diversify their portfolio. So, Coconut Bob, he, he calls another meeting, or his grandkids do, and, and he gets his wife together. Honey, I swear I have this crazy idea. Let's build a building. So, this mountain of order that we're amassing all of the tools that we have now and all of the acorns that we're storing <laughs> and all of everything that we have in our family, we could protect it by putting a shell around it. It's like a nice little cell membrane. It protects our entire little empire and it helps keep the system in a state of homeostasis. With all the chaos that's out there in the world, we need to be protected. So if forging a tool leveraged a few hours of sacrificial now for a few months of more order with your tools, then building a building was like the super long-term play. It's a few days sacrifice now for many, many years of potential order and protecting what we have amassed. So with buildings... This power snowball just continually picks up steam as now we're able to quantify a personal empire and store it in a building. And this was just the beginning. An empire of empires of empires was on its way. Chapter 13, Scaling Up. We thought we were kings and queens of our mountain of stored power and that all food and tools and human things bowed down to us. As if all of the mountains of power around us, the plants that are each their own mountain of power, and the chickens and the spears that we made and the huts that we built, as if they were all pointing up to us. But feeling like the king of the mountain in charge of our own empire, we never looked up to realize that we were actually just a part of it, and it was a part of something bigger on the rise. The shadow coming over us from something much larger. The mountain of order didn't stop with you or me or our cute little families in our houses. 
this snowball just kept rolling as if individual humans are just merely a passing thought of evolution. Now, we're part of families, cities, and nations. We are members of sports teams, friends, networks, corporations, and even the billions of us connected via communication. You and I are but another rung on evolution's bigger ladder. The individual has been so busy being a god of his universe that we only recently began to realize and just see how helplessly we are a part of this very thing. We're just another rung on the ladder of order. Individuals are not the highest form of consciousness. We're but organisms who can't stop ourselves from continuing to order the world. Just look at us. The famous psychologist Carl Jung described it as being possessed. We don't even know any other way to live. This is what we do. Once the snowball got rolling, it just plowed over us and we became a part of this weird, unexplainable ordering force that's been at work all along. We are a bunch of ordering freaks. We're running around like ants, ordering stored power all day long. What a fascinating species. We call it work, and we can't get enough of it. It's in our DNA. We order bricks and wood, and we call it a house. We order steel, rubber, and plastic, and we call it a car. We order metal and silicon, and we call it a computer chip. We order oil and asphalt and rock, and we call it roads. We order numbers, and we call it a spreadsheet. We order ourselves, and we call it a military. We order words and relationships and workforces and cities and nations and militaries and governments. At your job, you order something, or you wouldn't have a job. You, you may order raw materials into building and call it construction. You may order digits. You're a programmer. You may order synaptic patterns. You're an educator. You may order molecules. You're in medicine. You may order transactions, you're in sales or retail. You may order people and tasks, you're a manager. You may order finances, you're an accountant. On the weekends or in the evenings, you probably let loose and hopefully have a little chaotic fun. But over time, we are net builders of order, all scurrying around, directing power where we think it should go to build more on this helpless runaway train of order. But why? Why do we consistently, constantly, constantly order everything? We put cups into cupboards, we put food in our bellies, we put clothes into closets, pictures on the walls, and we like it. We order water into pipes, electricity into wires, cars on the roads, and songs on our playlists. We love it. We don't post Instagrams of our nasty house with junk strewn everywhere. Why care if everything is ordered, secure, growing, healthy, and powerful? The only answer that we can give is so we don't lose the order we've already built. And you may think, no, I just work so I can pay the bills and not die. I mean, what other choice do I have? But that's exactly what I mean, you big ball of ordered tissue friend, you. You don't want yourself and all of the order in you to die. So you just keep ordering bigger and bigger. Essentially, we've invested so much in our cosmic game of double or nothing 
We might as well just keep playing the game and rolling the dice. We're getting better over time, after all. But is it even us, the human individual, that's seeking the order? Or is it something deeper or bigger? I mean, here we are, just a bunch of ants on a giant blue marble in space, scurrying around to get the best exchange rate on stored sunlight, all to build something. But what? Like, we're all fighting, trading, and slaving away, and most of us have no idea why. The more we've been able to zoom out and conceptualize the whole of humanity, the clearer it is that we are helpless pawns in a larger epic growing. We are attached to something bigger.